episode of Pop Culture Double Date. Uh, this week, we went to watch Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, um, the new film with Jason Statham and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and um, I can't remember her name, um, the lady from The Crown who plays Princess... Um, Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby, that's right. Um, Vanessa Kirby, and who else is the other guy? Idris uh, Elba? Idris Elba, that's right. <laughs> I'm glad I have other people here on this podcast, because I'm clearly underprepared. Anyway, so this it's... This a very memorable movie for you. It, it was a hugely memorable movie. This was quite an interesting movie, in the sense that um, we actually all bumped into each other at the cinema, surreptitiously, unarranged, um... Yeah, (laughs) so we all saw this live um, a few days ago now, Um, and I have to say, I this was definitely not a super memorable film for me. Like, I there's there's very little that really sticks with me in regards like regarding this film. So, um, okay, anyway, look, this is going to be a full spoilers podcast, so um, beware if you haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw. Although, this plot is pretty simplistic, so I'm not really sure how much we would spoil. But, obviously, please come back and listen to us if you don't want any spoilers, because this is going to be a full spoilers podcast. So, we're just going to get straight into it. I'm going to go around the table and ask the question, did you guys like this film? What were your quick initial impressions, and would you recommend it or not? Um, Why don't I kick off this week? Um, Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I... this film did not really make a particularly strong impression on me. It felt like a pretty blah action film. I mean, look, I mean, there were some interesting action sequences, but there was... Look, to be honest, we live in a world where there are so many varied and interesting action films now that you basically get desensitized to anything that is not particularly creative or um, particularly interesting. I did not feel like this was a particularly interesting or creative action film. I thought that the plot was pretty non-existent. Um, crucially, I thought the main sin of this film was that it was supposed to be a buddy film, and I thought the dialogue was very poorly written. Um, I, I didn't think it was particularly funny. I thought a lot of humor was very forced, um, pretty cringy. Um, yeah, so my impressions are basically it was a pretty blah film. I, I didn't feel... The plot was very, like, paper-thin. Um, felt like it had been written by a high school kid. Um, you had a villain that was not particularly engaging. You had Idris Elba, who is an amazing actor, playing a role that is... just has zero character depth. And that some sort of evil organisation that is sitting on top of all these... Um, sitting on top of Idris Elba, who, um, and this organization, look, I'm kind of still unclear what their agenda is. They're just evil and bad tech people, I think, is the agenda. Um, yeah, so, look, I haven't really gotten into the pl- any of the details of the plot, but stuff to say, this was a pretty shallow plot. It was a buddy film without a super compelling core buddy um, relationship, uh, with pretty weak sort of dialogue, with quite a lot of forced humour. Um, 
Yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't think I would really recommend this film. I, I didn't really love it. I, I wish... I, I think about this, and I think about the film with The Rock that we saw last year, which, by all rights, should have been way worse than this film. Um, Skyscraper. <laughs> but, you know, I felt more of an emotional attachment to Skyscraper than I did with Hobbs and Shaw. Um yeah, I'm not entirely sure what that is. Like, we can delve into that a little bit later. But yeah, I, I felt this was a pretty shallow film. I'm not sure I would really recommend it. Um, what did everyone else think? Sorry to start off with such a downer sort of opinion on things. Anja, Jerry, Mags, who, who'd like to go next? Yeah, I, I, I didn't love it either. And I was really surprised because I loved the trailers. I was so excited about seeing this movie after the trailers. And I think that's because the whole movie is trailer fodder. Like, you could probably make 20 fantastic trailers out of this movie. You just can't make one good movie out of it. Um, and I'm also shocked because Fast and Furious is one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite franchise. But then this really isn't a Fast and Furious movie. It's just got some, a couple of the characters from Fast and Furious. Um, so I think the main things are, like, all I really wanted from this movie was for it to be fun. And I thought the fun was guaranteed because The Rock is fun. Jason Statham is fun. Action is fun. Like, the big budgets are fun. Like, how could this not be fun? But it wasn't fun for me. And I think that's because the plot was actually it was not interesting it wasn't compelling i didn't really care at all about the story and i wasn't interested in how it was developing and the twists and the turns and i didn't believe anything bad was going to happen to anyone and that's not necessarily a problem because there's many movies like that where you know that nothing bad's going to happen but they're still fun i don't know really what was wrong with the plot other than that it it just it wasn't interesting um and it's hard to say why um it wasn't funny so there's jokes all the way through it. it's full of jokes but they're really cheesy um really cheesy jokes it's really slapstick and that's never been my kind of humor um i just think yeah like jason statham is super funny and the rock is funny so the dialogue should have been better and i think part of the problem is that the whole movie is them hating each other and paying each other out and i actually think they would have had better banter and maybe better chemistry if they'd cut that out after you know close to the beginning and actually developed something of a camaraderie or a different type of relationship um the action it was really like bang bang smash smash like it was i definitely had action fatigue which um yeah it was just too it was too much it, it was good explosions but it was kind of hard to follow and a little bit just too much and i was tired of it um so for those reasons i didn't enjoy it and it was way too long and i thought once the rock went to samoa i was gonna really start enjoying it now because a i was really looking forward to him doing the haka or whatever version of the haka they were gonna do but there wasn't enough of that i wanted to see a full routine um that could have actually saved the whole movie for me but they <laughs> they didn't do that um and it was way too long so i would have actually left this movie before the end and there was a Actually, a couple in front of us that did leave just before really? the end. Really? Oh. Um, yeah. So I would have two, which I can only say that about one other movie I've ever seen. So that's really surprising. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Maggie? Um, I think I'm about in about the same boat. I mean, 
I'm not a follower of the Fast and the Furious franchise, so I watched it as um, as I would any action movie. And as you all know, I absolutely love The Rock. And mm. um, I love Jason Statham in um, the Melissa McCarthy movie Spy. Spy. Hoping, yes. Yeah. Spy. And I was hoping he would play a similar character to that. Um, I love Vanessa. Yeah. Um, and... Idris Elba as a villain, I thought, wow, what an amazing opportunity to see him spread his wings as a as a cheesy villain um, in in a cheesy action movie. Uh, and unfortunately, it, it just kind of it there wasn't enough there for these um, stars to really shine um, in a movie that had so much potential. Um, I thought it was quite cliched. Um, yes, agreed. completely agree with the word, the word "simple" that you used, Darren. Um, and I also thought it was a bit of a nonsense story. Um, in thinking mm. about, it, yeah, in, in thinking about um, how it could have been better, I think um, I totally agree with you, Anna about how they could have used the relationship between The Rock and Jason Statham in a different way. I think that would have definitely saved the movie. Um, and then the sort of relationships between Vanessa Kirby and Jason Statham, you only find out sort of halfway into the movie that they're brother and sister. If we had found out much earlier, I think that would have definitely helped because there was actual chemistry between the two actors, but that didn't really kick in until quite late. The romance between Vanessa Kirby and The Rock, they should have totally ditched that idea. That was just silly. Mm. Um and then um, the cameos, which... That was so forced, wasn't it? So yeah, forced. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's unpack that a little bit now, because, yeah, I, I did not feel any chemistry between The Rock and Vanessa. Like, not, like, romantic chemistry. I felt like mm. mateship, but I didn't feel funny, like... Yeah, yeah, chemistry. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, I felt like the three of them had chemistry, but as buddies, not as, like... Romantic. It just felt really forced, and the daughter. It was just like, I think this is symptomatic of the film. A lot of stuff that didn't really feel natural just kind of like forced in there, like because it was the cliche or the thing to do. Anyway, yeah, Mag. Sorry, mm. it was a good pickup. Um, sorry, sorry for interrupting you. No, 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 not at all. Um, the the only final thing I had was the cameos. Um which I thought they threw in there to try and sort of bolster the movie to, to save it a bit. Um, I, I didn't think it really added anything, and it was only after the fact when you guys told me none of those characters actually feature in the franchise. So <laughs> um, I was like, okay, what was the purpose of those guys? Um, and the only thing I would note is Ryan Reynolds, who I think is a good comedic actor, felt like he was just playing Detective Pikachu. So even though I really liked Detective Pikachu as a movie, I really didn't think he needed to be in this film. Yeah, i, I got to say, the cynical part of me looks at those cameos and it just feels like a marketing thing, right? So that, you know, The Rock can get all his famous friends um, to tweet about it or Instagram about it or whatever it is, right? Like, a lot of those were not particularly funny or relevant cameos i mean the two main cameos we're talking about here are like kevin hart and ryan reynolds right um mm. and if they weren't in the fast and furious franchise we like mags and i weren't huge fast and furious fans and we didn't realize that um we thought that maybe they'd been in a previous film or whatever but like if they weren't there was literally no reason for them to be there apart from the cynical 
like they have a strong social media presence and can be used to promote the film right like it was so weird because they manufactured this history between them that we've never seen yeah it was yeah, as though we had seen it yeah <laughs> yeah i felt, felt like i've been gaslit right like after the film i was like what <laughs> yeah anyway yeah, yeah. um uh, Gerald, the most important yes. opinion. The the Fast and the Furious <laughs> fan. The biggest Fast and the Furious fan. <laughs> well, as you've alluded to, Daz, I love the Fast and Furious franchise. I love the franchise so much. I even like the lesser entries in the series. So I was okay with Too Fast, Too Furious. I loved uh, Tokyo Drift. Oh, I even wow. thought Fast and Furious was okay. So... There is something about this franchise that makes me surrender my critical faculties and just go with the ride. It's fun. But I tell you what, I, tell you what, I hated the shit out of this movie. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's oh, extreme. God. Okay, okay, go. Let me, go. Let me describe to you what the experience of watching this movie was like. It was the, the, only, the only experience in the cinema I've had that comes remotely close to this movie was watching the Bourne legacy. So you had the first three Bourne films, great spy action flicks, and then the Bourne legacy came out. And as I was sitting in the cinema, I realised that everything about the, the, the films that I knew and loved had been abandoned, and the Bourne legacy actually belonged in a different genre than the other movies. It was a science fiction film, whereas... The other movies were spy action flicks. And I got increasingly furious as this movie went on. And the experience of watching Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw was similar to that because far from this being just an action movie about characters we know and love, this was rather a sort of superhero Bond mashup superhero because... The Idris, the Idris Elba villain is, is just superhuman. He's a cyborg, basically, um, and he's, he rides a motorcycle that's controlled by his thoughts. He's got this enhanced body, um, computer-enhanced body, and he is basically the tool of an organization called Etion, which is basically shit Spectre. <laughs> and then you, you pair that up, you pair that up with the... The, the characters of Luke Hobbs and um, Deckard Shaw, who are now invincible to a degree, unprecedented elsewhere in the Fast and Furious franchise. I mean, they are so incapable of being even scratched by the fights and the scrapes they get into that you, you're like, what is this? This is completely unrecognisable and a betrayal everything that came before in this franchise. And so I found this movie utterly frustrating and infuriating, not to mention just boring. Like, it's it's just a very boring film. Um, but perhaps the greatest offence committed by this film is to turn the character of Deckard Shaw into a good guy. Deckard Shaw, <laughs> Fast and Furious 6, we learn, was the man who killed... The single best character in the franchise. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and he was the big bad in, Furious, in, in Fast and Furious 7. Let, let us not forget that in that movie, 
in the very opening scene, he's killed everyone in a hospital just to have a conversation with his brother, Owen Shaw, who was the baddie in Furious 6. So how it is that he's been resuscitated and turned into a villain, I don't know. It's actually, I think, Spawn, a hashtag, Justice for Han, and one can obviously one can readily see why because the makers of this movie just completely sort of shrug their shoulders at at the notion that this man committed great evil in this franchise in the in the universe of these movies, and he's being and he's and he's he's sort of like you know um, not he's a friendly a, goody now. He's a, he's yeah. a, he's a, and look, that started with the with the, the fate of the Furious when. He did become a good. He and Owen Shaw became good guys, helping out Dominic Toretto and his crew against Cipher, the hacker played by Charlie Theron. But that and that felt bad enough. That that struck a really false note with me, and I just sort of sat in the cinema, uh, you know, increasingly sort of clenched jaw and clenched fist, thinking this this ain't right. But the extent to which in this film they go about making Deckard Shaw invincible hero up against supervillains super was to me beyond the pale and a, and a grave offence for which this movie and its producers cannot be forgiven. That is the, one of the most egregious things I've seen in any action movie franchise. So um, for all those reasons, you know, if asked to recommend this film, I, I would give it a big two thumbs down. This was execrable. So, Gerald, the, ho- the hospital thing is bad, but doesn't he kill Han because he thinks Han was responsible for his brother's death? And he wasn't, because his brother... I, didn't I know, I know, I know, but didn't he, isn't that reasoning he had? Yeah, but it's still it's still crappy reasoning. Does he and kill uh, Wonder Woman as well? Wasn't Han going no. out with Wonder Woman? Yes, but... Yes. Zell sacrificed himself to save Han in the final big action sequence oh, I in Fury. I see, I see. So he's and, heartbroken, so he can die now. Yeah, at the end and can't become the Lolo. Don't forget, the, don't forget that um, fast, fast and few, fast four, fast five, and fast five six are all prequels to Tokyo Drift. So Giselle dies at the end of Furious Six. So Han becomes this broken loner and goes off to live in Tokyo, where he meets the character played by Lucas Black in Tokyo Drift. And teaches him to is drift. That, is that true? Tokyo Drift occurs after Fast Six. Really? Six. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Because so, Han really? dies at the end of Tokyo Drift. Han dies yeah. two thirds of the way through Tokyo Drift, and that death scene is replayed at the very end of Furious Six. So the oh, events of Furious Six, most of the events of Furious Six, with the exception of the death of Han, occur before Tokyo Drift. I see. Wow. Mind blown. I, I didn't realize that. I'm clearly not an efficient art. Okay, so to that point, right? So let's delve into this this whole Deckard Shaw thing, right? Because, like, because I I saw Fast Five and I thought that was a great action film, and I think I saw Fast Six and I felt like the quality of Fast Six was okay, but not as good as Fast Five. And then I kind of mm-hmm. fell off the wagon, right? Now, what I'm unclear about is who is Deckard Shaw, because the way this film portrays him is that he is... I'm not even clear what his job is. Like, for both of them, right? I remember that The Rock's character, he used to work for the US government or something like that. 
CIA, I want to say, or FBI, like one of these government agencies or whatever. And they he was supposed to bring in the crew, right? The Fast and the Furious crew. Now, it's kind of what I didn't understand in this film was that you had these characters that bore these like sort of recognizable names, but like the way they were presented was so <laughs> disconnected. I want to say from what All I right. kind of Des? and so I'm, I'm, I'm unclear. Like, what is like what are their jobs now? Like, what, what well, happened? So Luke Hobbs is still employed by the Diplomatic Security Service. He's not FBI. He's not CIA. He's not DEA. He's this. He comes from this obscure agency called the Diplomatic Security Service, and he's, as a consequence, got something of an international uh, jurisdiction that allows him to sort of fly to Brazil, cause havoc, displace the police, and shoot up a bunch of people. So that's that's Luke Cobbs. So he's not MI6. Now, he's like he's like some British government guy. He's a British no, no, no. spy. Is that basically what he's, he is? No, no, this is? No, I'm talking about it's the character. The diplomatic played. security. Yeah. Okay. The, the 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 character played by the Rock is is a DSS agent. Deckard Shaw, he his job is unclear. In Furious Six, his brother, his younger brother Owen Shaw, was the villain, and Owen Shaw is ex British Special Forces, but he's gone bad, um, and he is meant to have been the the baddie mastermind behind the villains behind the villain, certainly in Fast and Furious. So in Fast and Furious, which was number four, the villain was a Colum- was a drug dealer called Arturo Braga, but it turns out that he was basically a puppet and his puppet master was Owen Shaw, ex-Special Forces. Um, and he was played by the actor Luke Evans. Uh, Jason Statham's character, Deckard Shaw, is Owen Shaw's uh, big brother, um, his job is a he's a mercenary. He used to be part yeah. of the British military, but they framed him yeah. or something. So you know, he got yeah. framed for something and he turned into a yeah. mercenary. Yeah. So he's a mercenary because mm-hmm. it, lo- it was unclear what his job was at the beginning. It was just like he woke up and beat people up for information. <laughs> it was just like, what? What does this guy do? Is he? Does he have any official role? Like it was, it's very strange. I, I, like I was kind of like, is he a spy? Is he like? Bond that kind of like he's just on special missions or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he gets recruited by different agencies to help with certain missions. Yeah. Now. Yeah, because The Rock also, my memory of The Rock's character was that he basically worked with a team of people, I want to say. Like, the, his yeah, thing but was they, all, a, they all got killed in Fast Five. But so, you would think the government would replace his team instead of just having yeah, him just did. run around by they himself. Did. They did. There was only, but there was only one other person in his team, and that was Elena, who uh, shacks up with Dominic Toretto for a bit and ends up being killed in Fate of the Furious. So his entire team is wiped out in Fast Five because he's such an awesome leader of men. Um, and in Furious 6... Um, He's ba- he, 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 there seems to be only one other member of his team, played by uh, Gina Carrado. Um, she gets killed because it turns out she's a baddie. In Furious 7, um, there's only, again, one other member of his team, and that's Elena, who was the Brazilian cop in fa- the female Brazilian cop in Fast Five. And it turns out in Fate of the Furious that she and Dom, after having 
during the course of their affair, uh, she became pregnant and had Dom's son, and she is killed in The Fate of the Furious by Charlize Theron's character. So it's all very complicated, but but there are there are sort of basic signposts that kind of you know guide you along the way. So you felt that Deckard Shaw's character was very different from in the from the other Fast and the Furious films, right? Like, yeah, yeah but. Can I just say, you know, Gerald, like, yeah, he was really evil in the Fast and Furious film, but those films do set up a backstory for him where before he turned bad, he was exceptionally good and, like, very brave and very, very much heroic. And then I guess what happened to him turned him very bad. So it's not completely a character assassination to then have him return to being good again. Yeah, the, the, but it, it, that wouldn't be so much of a problem if he hadn't killed the fan oh. favorite. Like, like, if Han, if he, like Han, Han is such a beloved character in the franchise, and Han was probably remains the coolest Asian male character in Western cinema. So <laughs> Jerry, like, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> anyone to name an Asian character in a Western movie as cool as Han. Bearing in mind that among the cool things about Han is the fact that his name, he's Korean, is Han Sol Oh. So um, he's just the best. And the fact that Deckard Shaw killed him is is like cinema is a cinematic mortal sin. And the way they're trying to walk him back from that, I think is First of all, it's happening very, very quickly. It's it's taken all of only three three minutes. It's only taken about two and a half movies for us to get here, um, and and it's happening. In, you know, they've given him his own movie with Luke Hobbs. So no other character in the franchise, no other two characters in the franchise have their own sort of have their own spin-offs. So you know, th- this idea of endowing him with such heroic qualities to such an extent that you give him his own movie, that's a really big thing to do in circumstances where he's just offed perhaps the most beloved character in this in the entire universe. Well, I think the other thing is that, like, while... I guess what you're saying is that in the other Fast and Furious films, he's done stuff that has wider consequences, right? Like, as in... But, I mean, I guess the way this film is portrayed, it feels a lot more comedy-esque than Fast and the Furious. I would say that Fast and the Furious is like action melodrama, right? Would that be accurate, right? Like there's all this stuff about family and people dying and like it's it's very serious, right? It's like quite serious. But this film is not like that, right? Like it doesn't sort of dip into that melodrama. It's comedy. So the tone is so like... It, it, it's so different, right? So, like, if you like, you have this guy who's a hero who, like, like when you say to me that this guy who is a hero that is cracking jokes, um, in the previous film murdered everyone in a hospital, that feels really weird, <laughs> given the tone of this film, because it is so like lighthearted. Um, yeah. Um. The other thing, like, I gotta say about this film, did you guys feel like the comedy landed at all? Like, I, I have a real bone to pick with the dialogue. No, it wasn't funny. Maybe one or two laughs through the whole movie. And I was trying hard, so that's where those laughs came from. Yeah. 
it felt really <laughs> forced, right? Like, I kind of feel like there's, like, in Hollywood, sometimes, sometimes there's, like, really good, like, naturalistic dialogue that is just funny, right? And then there are other times, increasingly, I felt, with these sort of big-name star films, I don't know if they let them ad-lib or what it is, but, like... The, like, for example, right, I think a lot of this film, like, as Anager was saying, like, there's a lot of this film where, like, Hobbs and Shaw are just, like, bickering, right, and insulting each other. But the problem is that the insults are not particularly interesting or clever or pithy. Like, it's just, there's nothing, like, that sort of sparks a thing in your brain that says, wow, that was, like, a really clever, interesting, funny insult, right? They just felt like, sort of playground insults like not not very clever playground insults and i don't know yeah if I, beneath both of these men like just completely beneath them. yeah exactly like, like if any if these characters are meant to be like badass like special agent types and they're saying this stuff and it feels really forced sometimes it's too long as well some of these insults go for like quite long like they're like multiple sentences worth of insult and it's just like it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel funny. It doesn't feel organic. It, it just feels incredibly forced. And one of the things I've noticed is that that sort of humor, I feel like, is creeping up more and more in Hollywood, particularly in these sorts of like packaged, like sort of action film style things, right? Like I think Marvel does a better job of it, but you can increasingly feel like that sort of sort of weak, weaker, sort of not particularly interesting pithy dialogue sort of creeping into Marvel at certain points. I know that, like, I mean, look, I loved Guardians 2, but there were points in Guardians 2 where you kind of feel like that writing... But this film just careered completely off the track, right? While Guardians 2 had probably one or two lines that weren't quite there, this film, I would say that, like, 80-90% of those lines were not were not well-written lines of dialogue, were not funny lines of dialogue that kind of made me engage with the character in any, any way. Like, they were, like, really generic, cliched insults that weren't necessarily, like... I think the biggest sin is that it didn't really show any part of the character, right? Like, th- those lines were not sort of inherently Luke Hobbs or Deckard Shaw. They were just, like, some just random insults, right? Um, I think that sort of dialogue issue sort of crept into the Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Hart cameos as well, because those guys basically just played themselves or played roles that we're kind of aware of. Like, was it Mags who was saying to me, like, Ryan Reynolds' character felt like, Mags was saying Detective Pikachu, but I was like, have you seen the the one the Ryan Reynolds film with Samuel L. Jackson, the yeah, Hitman... the Hitman's bodyguard? Yeah, I was like the bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, I was like, wait, yeah. is, is Ryan Reynolds? I thought just... I thought it was the same character for this. Yeah, it, it was weird. Thought, I actually thought he was playing the Hitman's bodyguard in this movie. Yeah, it was really weird, right? And Kevin Hart is clearly meant to be a reference to like the Central Intelligence film that he did with like The Rock. Like, yeah. but the dialogue wasn't particularly good. It felt really forced. It went on and on and on, right? Like, as much as I love Ryan Reynolds, like, I don't know if he's just improving this shit and, like, people are just saying 
oh, Ryan, this is like gold. You should keep doing this sort of thing, right? But after a point in time, it gets old. It's kind of funny for like, maybe like the first time he does it, but he just, like, it's just the same thing again and again and again. And it's just like, it's not as yeah. funny. It's not as interesting. I don't know. I don't know if you guys felt that as well. No, the, the Ryan Reynolds shtick is certainly showing a degree of staleness that I think the Robert Downey Jr. shtick was starting to show near the end of his run as Iron Man. Um, that whole sort of fast-talking and I can take a mundane line of dialogue and make it sound really snappy thing. Um, I don't think Ryan Reynolds does it as well as RDJ, but I think it's, it is starting to show... Um, that it's pretty threadbare. And Kevin Hart, to be honest, I've never found funny. Like, I just don't understand what people see in him. He, right, so he's a short guy who shouts a lot. Hilarious, you know. It, how does that make him any different from, say, um, old old Al Pacino? Like, you know, I, I've never understood the appeal of that man. I think he added very little to this movie. Um, his presence was just irritating. So... Um, these cameos were more distracting than they were fun. Um, but yeah, so they were distracting at best, irritating at worst, um, and you know, sort of all packaged up in this in this movie that sort of was almost determined um, to waste a very good cast. Mm. Mm. Is there anything else we want to say about like the action or anything like that? Like. Did you find the action was particularly good or memorable, or there was just a lot of it? <laughs> there was, it was a lot of good. it. There was a lot of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. There what was I don't understand, what I what I don't understand about the action in this movie, I didn't find any of the action particularly exhilarating or interesting. There may have been one or two good shots, um, but here's the thing: the work the direct- on the motorbike was good and memorable. That's about it. Yeah, mm, yeah, I agree with and that. And maybe yeah. maybe um, the rock jumping out of the building was was quite good. But here's the funny thing. David Leach, the director of this movie, was one of the co-directors of the original John Wick. Really? Mm. Yeah. And And you're like, he has brought absolutely none of that magic to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, See- there, there, is, there, is, there is some good fight choreography in this film, admittedly, but... It, it, it was so uninteresting, though. Like, I could see that this was well-done choreography. I could see that a lot of effort had been invested in planning these moves and in shooting them, but there was nothing exhilarating, nothing interesting, nothing new, nothing innovative yeah, in, I- these, in, this, in these hand-to-hand fights. It was really weird. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I think the film generally, not even just the action films, just overall this film, it felt yeoman-like, right? Like, it was like they had a formula and they just followed this formula to the letter, almost, right? Like, as in, it was not inspired, there was nothing particularly creative or interesting. They took established names big-name actors, put them in very competent action scenes, in with dialogue, with a plot that was neither here nor there. But look, a lot of action film plots are neither here nor there. Um, With dialogue that was very humdrum, that maybe for a, I don't know, an audience that loves The Rock or whatever, they'd be willing to laugh at it. So it was kind of just like, everything was just mediocre, right? Like, it was just... There was nothing that was inspired or creative. It was just a 
every facet of this film was just mediocre. And I, I feel really bad saying that because clearly, as you said, Jerry, there's a lot of artistry that goes into crafting these stunt scenes or whatever, right? But I guess we're in an age of movies where we're so desensitized to action scenes that like a lot of these action scenes, even like though there's so much work that goes into it, it feels mediocre because of the saturation of action that we have going on, right? Like, we're so desensitized to explosions and cars crashing into each other. It's like, yeah, you need something different. Um, something extra. Yeah, yeah. I mean, John Wick 2, uh, John Wick 3 definitely achieved that, right? Like, we were, we watched mm. John Wick 3. It was like, wow, these action fil- scenes are freaking amazing, right? Like, in an era when we were, like, saturated with action, you can still make action scenes that are amazing. It's just that the sad reality, I think, is that um, like what it takes to kind of titillate us is just that bar is so much higher now. Um, yeah, and I think part of the problem as well is, well, there there are two potential problems. What one is, the rock is so freaking big, right? That you there's actually a limit to what I think you can do in terms of fight choreography with him. Like he's just so massive and towers over everyone that. The stakes of a fight don't feel particularly high when he's one of the people in it, because you know he's just going to obliterate the person he's fighting. He's just this—he's just this mountain of meat, right? Yeah. And and, and he's, he's just so massive that you think whatever poor bastard is up against him is just going to get creamed. So there's there's that. It just sort of diminishes the tension in any of these of the action scenes that he's involved in. Um, that he's just such a big dude. The second problem is it was reported in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend or at the end of last week that both Statham and Dwayne Johnson have as part of their contracts that they don't get beat up too badly. And I think Vin Diesel has a similar provision in his contract for the main Fast and Furious franchise. Um, And, and you know, the story elaborated upon how, for instance, in Fast Five, Vin Diesel had dreamt up an elaborate system, waiting system for kicks, punches, elbows in the face and so on, such that he and The Rock would, if you tallied up all the points from their various hits hits on each other in their very very brutal fight scene, would be sort of come up equal. Uh, So we know Vin Diesel has a pretty healthy ego, and so it's kind of unsurprising that he would insist upon something like that. But if it's also spread to The Rock and Statham, then I think that's problematic as well because, again, they become invincible. There are no stakes in in any of the fights in which they're involved. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Keanu Reeves in John Wick 3, by the end, it takes so much punishment. It's ridiculous. Particularly, particularly <laughs> in the very last moment of the film, he's freaking Superman, right? But he also takes an absolute beating. In fact, he takes an absolute beating in all three movies. And just to um, clarify, you're not talking about their actual physical safety. You don't mean they can't get hurt too badly while, no, no, while I, making these. I, I mean, well, you mean they can't look like they're getting beaten. Yeah, on their like their characters. Yeah. Mm. So like. Whereas, whereas John Wick, John Wick gets the shit kicked out of him 
Like, yeah. the fact that he survives that is completely unbelievable, but it, at least Because that's happened. part of his character. That's yeah. how they set up the first movie, right? It's part of why we love him, is that he is vulnerable in that way. And that's Whereas part of also two... what makes John Wick the heroism of John Wick is that he keeps yes. getting beat up, beaten up, right? But and he, you can't get him down. I yeah, exactly. Oh, he's so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas these two guys are just invincible from the get-go. Like, there's just, you know, there's just no um, landing a clean hit on either of them. So... Um, I found it hilarious, though, that you had a guy who is literally Superman, right? Like... Mm. Idris Elba's character was supposed to punch crazy hard, right? Like, he's supposed to be, like, a robot. And he punches these guys, and they kind of just, like, shake it off. And then in the <laughs> end, they beat the super robot with in a fist fight, right? Like, it's been shown that Idris Elba can, is bulletproof. Straight up bulletproof, right? And then they beat him in a fist fight. It's so weird. Yeah, and they beat him in a fist fight because you remember the moment when the two of them figure out, hey, there are two of us, so if we both tried to punch him, that would that would that would take him out. And I just sort of sat there thinking, are you guys for real? Like, is this is this, is this seriously the way this supervillain is going to go down? Yeah, yeah. And then they did that for a little bit, and then they just forgot about it, and they just started beating him up, right? Like with single blows. So they did that for, like, three or four shots, where, like, one of them would cough a hit, and then the other would beat up Idris Elba. And then after they did it for three or four shots, it was just like, okay, they won, and they just start, like, hitting him just normally. And he goes down. A guy who's bulletproof gets beaten up in a fist fight by these two guys. Look, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty farcical. Um, yeah, okay, um... On that note, is there anything else we really want to add? No, I think we've talked... Well, do you guys have anything to say? I feel like we've talked about this so much. I'm ready to move on in my life. <laughs> Jerry, are you ready to move on in your life? I don't think you are, Jerry, Gerald. <laughs> He's gone. I will never move on from Han's death. <laughs> well, no. The only thing I would say that is... Is already... left, that has left a... a a, so- a scar in my soul. <laughs> um, well, they are. Don't worry. Don't worry. They're um, apparently already um, filming the next one. Hobbs and Shaw or Fast and the Furious? Uh, Fast and the Furious. Oh. Yeah, they are. They okay. are. Okay. Let's see what interesting and punny name they can come up with for the next <laughs> Fast and the Furious film. What was the last one? The Fate of the Furious. Was that the last one? Yeah. Yeah, and that was the eighth film, obviously. Okay, so I can't wait to see what they call nine. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, on that note, thank you very much, everyone, for joining me tonight to talk about Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, um, a film that I don't think any of us would actively recommend. Um, Yeah, I think we're all a little bit disappointed, given how amazing the trailer was. But, yeah, like I definitely felt like this was a music video that went on way too long, right? Like, this was the thing. Like, Anija, I 100% agree with you, right? This was a series mm-hmm. of trailers, or it just felt like an extended music video. Um, yeah, but it was not. There was no real substance to it. So, yeah, not sure this is a recommend from us. Um, yeah. So, we'll be back 
in maybe a week or two to discuss another film. We've yet to decide what that will be. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us tonight. And um, we'll see everyone soon. Bye. 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 Bye.